Good morning, podcasters. And it looks like it's set to be another beautiful day in this part of the country. Um, I hope it's going to be the same wherever you are if you're listening to us. So we are continuing with our book called Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Um, And today we're going to be looking more at Simon's, I guess, his reason why he ended up writing books about why. And, um, I'm, and I'm really going to tell a little story about him himself and what, him brought, what brought him to where he is. So Simon Sinek's own personal journey brought him to this place to say, okay, I really need to tell everybody else about this. So what is that place? He says he starts his, this section of the book with words that you probably wouldn't expect to see from Simon Sinek, which says, I am a failure. Okay, so when I read that, I thought, okay, that's not like a Simon Sinek message, but um, he, he tells his story. So uh, when he was in... Um, Back in 2005, between September and December of 2005, he hit rock bottom. So what happened? Like many Americans, he wanted the American dream. He wanted to own his own business, make lots of money, be super popular, and in his own mind, be famous. So he launched his own business, and he was so proud of himself. He felt he was Superman, never being like, never mind being like Superman. He felt he was living the dream. Nothing could stop him. It felt so good. He was aware, however, of the statistics that say out of all entrepreneurs who start their own business, only 4% of them actually survive after three years. Okay, so take that statistic on, 96% of all businesses in the USA fail after three years, right? That's a huge uh, sort of cross against ever wanting to be an entrepreneur. So he knew this, but that was not going to stop him because he was Superman after all. He managed to get through his uh, first three years, big celebrations. We made it. We're going to be one of those successful companies. He had achieved the goals and he accepted in his mind that he had maybe achieved the goals more by luck than judgment because he knew 
that there wasn't like a solid foundation of processes and principles. And, but he says, it's okay, we're invincible. We've survived the three years. We're going to be the best business to have launched this year. And he realized also that a lot of his business survival had come from his own personal enthusiasm and energy. You can see where this is going, I think. So in the fourth year, when the enthusiasm and the energy started to wane and it started to be, feel more like a job and less like a, an exciting business, things started to, uh, like the wheels started to drop off, right? So his business was no longer exciting. He could tell people all the time what he did. He could tell them uh, what they could get if they, if they took his advice. Um, and he, his whole business was based around positioning and strategy. And he could tell people that he had good clients. He could explain that they were better than others, but it was exhausting. He was demoralized. He knew that they needed to have systems and things in place, but he just couldn't do it. He just couldn't bring himself to do it. He realized that actually he was depressed. And when you're depressed, you get paranoia. So now he started to say, oh, I'm going to go out of business. Oh, I'm going to be evicted from my flat. Oh, I, I don't think my clients like me. And he knew that what he actually needed was pull himself together, get some structure. He went to conferences to learn about what he should do. He got advice from friends. But you know what? He just couldn't hear it. How many of us have been in that situation where we actually know what we need to do, but the thought of actually doing it, getting on with it, making it happen, that's the hard part. That's the difference. So um, all he could do was hear in his mind everything that he was doing wrong. Even the thought, he even thought, and this uh, as an entrepreneur myself, and those of you out there who are part of MLM businesses or are entrepreneurs yourself, he even thought of getting a job. That's like last resort, guys. We, we've reached rock bottom. So he was at a family meeting and uh, he found that he wasn't even able to engage in the conversations. And he eventually told himself, okay, I'm a failure. This is it. I'm not able to, um, to go any further. But the fortunate thing for Simon Sinek is that he had studied anthropology at university. He found himself in a marketing and sales situation. So what he started to do was go back to what he had originally looked at in his uh, field, which was looking at the effects of um, different activities on marketing and sales. So he was astonished when he had been further back in his career to realize that only 50% of marketing works. So I'll let that figure sink in with you for a minute because 
you know all the TV adverts we see. We all know the ones that work for us. There are plenty of others that never make it to TV. And there are plenty of others that make it to TV and don't work. So 50%, imagine all the money in the world that is spent on marketing that doesn't work. And he actually said, like, this is astonishing. Why do people put so much energy into something that ultimately may not work? And there didn't seem, when he was studying it, to be a rhyme or reason why a company one year was able to produce an amazing, amazing publicity, and the next year their publicity failed. So he began to look into why some things worked and other things didn't. But rather than doing what most people do, which is look at what doesn't work and try and fix it, he actually looked at what was working and focused on that. And he started to obviously come up the name with the names of the companies that we have mentioned uh, during these podcasts, number one being Apple. I mean, Apple's uh, advertising always works. Um, he also looked at Harley Davidson. I mean, as we said before, people get tattoos of Harley Davidson on their bodies. Uh, clearly, their marketing is working. And um, uh, companies like Southwest Airlines, which I mean, we don't know that much about in Canada, but in the US has a huge reputation for great um, adverts and, and good marketing. So he remembered also that in his uh, early days, he had developed something that he called the golden circle. Now, he hadn't shared it with anybody at this point. It was just a theory that he had been playing around with when he was uh, younger. And I don't know if you remember that the golden circle starts with a, an inner circle of why and then an outer circle of how and then a bigger outer circle of what. And we've already discussed in other chapters that when people have a split in their why, when they start to focus on the what, that's when they start to lose the way, their way. And he also met somebody at this time who explained to him that the, um, the limbic system uh, has a lot to do with the way react, we react to things. And of course, he was able to make that parallel between the limbic system, which controls basically our gut feelings about, you know, and what we want from life and all that sort of thing, compared to the neocortex, which is the how we do things and the what we do to make things happen. And so he became fascinated with the biology of the brain and how that would fit with his golden circle. So he realized that his, when he was able to sort of step back, have a look at what happened in his business, he realized that he had made a mistake. He had started to focus on the what the business is about, how they could deliver the business. And he had forgotten what his why was. So he said to himself, well, what is my why? right? 
I started this business, but what is my why? And he started to remember how when he had been at school, he had always been the one to like rally the troops to do things, had always been able, the one who had been able to get things going. Even at university, he was able to continue that, that uh, activity. And he came down to this phrase. He says, my why is to inspire. It was as simple as that. He wanted to be able to inspire people to do whatever it was they wanted to do. I, I like that. Inspire people to do the things that inspired them. And of course, at our LMM, MLM, most of us, the, lo the people who have the longevity at, to stay at uh, our, our MLM are inspired because they want everybody else to have what they want, what they have, which is the opportunity to save time, to save money, to eat more healthily and look after the planet. So as I was reading this this morning, I was thinking that uh, we as, a, as an MLM, we have our why. You can find your own personal why within that, things that inspire you to inspire others. But what is great about being in an MLM like our organization is that when you start to lose your way, because your enthusiasm, your excitement about having your own business is taken off, you're super successful. We have the systems and the procedures and the principles are all in place to support you. And the, I guess my experience of having watched a lot of people over 15 years is those people that stick with the core systems, the core organization, they have an opportunity to rediscover their business and stick with it and continue to grow. So Cynic started to do everything he could to move his way forward. He put everything into practice from his golden circle and the concept of why started to work for him. And he wanted to tell everyone about it. The why is important in every organization. He started to give talks, he became popular, he started to turn uh, companies and the Defense Department of the USA around so that everybody began to understand their why and what they wanted from it. He knows that the fundamental for every single company to continue to have success is to always go back to their why. So I'm going to uh, um, hand over to Marie-Pierre now because Marie-Pierre has been looking at that backward why, I think, Marie-Pierre. Yes, thank you, Melanie. And just before I start with that part, I want to make sure that everyone shared the podcast this morning. So if you haven't shared, that's the time to do it. So if you are on Podbean, it gives you more heart. So at the end of the month, you will have a more chance in the draw for the conditioning program. And if you are on Facebook, always share with a comment so people will know why they should listen to the podcast this morning. So yes, it, in the book, it compare the why 
with an arrow. So before it can yet it can gain any power or achieve any impact, an arrow must be pulled backward 180 degrees away from the target. And that's also where a Y derives derive its power. So the Y does not come from looking ahead at what you want to achieve and figuring out an appropriate strategy to get there. It is not born uh, out of any market research. It does not come from an extensive interview with customer or even employee. It comes from looking in the completely opposite direction from where you are now. So finding why is a process of discovery and not invention so he talked about uh, of course apple so just like the apple why is developed in 1971 so it's the two steve were working in their dorm room at uc berkeley and they made something they called the blue box so it was a little device that hacked the phone system to give people the ability to avoid paying long distance rates on their phone bills so Apple computer didn't exist yet, but Jobs and Wozniak were already challenging a big brother type power. In this case, Mabel, American Telephone and Telegraph and Monopoly phone company. So technically what the blue box did was illegal, but with no desire to challenge power by breaking the law, they never actually used the device themselves, but they liked the idea of giving other individuals the ability to avoid having to play by the rules of monopolistic forces, a theme that would repeat many more times in the Apple's future. So in 1976, they repeated the same pattern again. They took on the giants of computer industry most notably big blue IBM. So before the Apple computing still meant using a punch card to give instruction to a huge mainframe scrolled away in a computer center somewhere, and IBM targeted their technology to corporate and not as Apple intended, as a tool for individual to target corporation. So with clarity of purpose and amazing discipline, Apple computer success seemed to follow the law of diffusion almost by design. In its first year in business, the company sold a million dollars worth of computer to those who believe what they believe. By year two, they had sold $10 million worth. And by their third years in business, they were a hundred million company and they attained the billion dollar status within only six years. So the why for every other individual or organization comes from the past. It is born out of the upbringing and life experience of an individual or a small group. Every single person has a why and every single organization has one too. So how can we find our why? Yes, we will cover it in a few weeks later in the book, Find Your Why. But I needed something now. I didn't want to wait. So <laughs> I found something simple just to help you find your why. Because we talk about the why, the why, the why. But we want to know what is our why. <laughs> so I have a few questions. So I have 17 questions for you this morning to help you discover your why. So please play with us this morning and go write in the comments your answer. Melanie, do you want to play with me? <laughs> you can answer it. 
<laughs> okay, perfect. So open your mic on Podbean too, and we will be ready to start. So if you want to play, go and write in the comments. And if you are maybe a little bit shy, it's okay. I will drop the um, the questionnaire on the group Limiliana Desema Inspirational Group, so you can take the time to uh, do it and maybe find a quiet spot for you and get your paper and brainstorm and record all your answer to those questions. And if you are an extrovert, maybe talk them out with someone, but maybe you can do it after the podcast too, because maybe you will need a little bit more time, but let's try it with Melanie and <laughs> everyone on the podcast this morning. So question number one is why do you do what you do? So whatever your answer, so follow up with the question, why is that important? And again, ask what is that important and repeat two or three more times. So what do you do? Why do you do what you do? And always, why is that important? And always ask your question, why is that important for each answer? So if we go for the first one, why do you do what you do, Melanie? Uh, because I want uh, everybody else to have the same opportunity as me to save time, money, eat more healthily, but be a solution to pollution. Perfect. And if we, I ask you, why is that important? <laughs> It's important because uh, people are wasting a lot of money in their lives. And uh, I know I have solutions for them. And if you go for a second, why is that important? <laughs> uh, because uh, I believe that the society can be much more healthy Uh, by having money uh, put aside instead of squandering it on wasting food. I love it. So you get the idea. So you can repeat the why is that important another two or three times. So it, it's really go further and further in the question. So I love it. Um, Liz right because I love what I'm doing. Jane, I feel good doing things for others and want others to receive deals and benefits. I love it. Number two. It's list a few times when you were your, at your happiest. So what were you doing when you were at your happiest? In life in general? Yes. Okay, when I had a baby, right? Mm. Yeah, after I had a baby. Uh, when I got married. Um, when I see my children succeed in anything. Lot, lots of things like that, when I see my organization and team succeed at anything. Okay, perfect. Number three, it's think of times when you were obvious to the passing of time. What were you doing? Uh, I guess uh, my, my wedding day, like things just passed so fast. Um, I think any time where I'm really happy, time just, you know, even last uh, last month when uh, I was spending time in Portugal in the most beautiful area, like you're not looking at your watch, you're just absorbing the moment. Perfect. Number four, it's what are your interests? So what do you crave to spend time doing? Getting fit, being healthy. Uh, spending time with my family um, oh. and learning. Oh, that's good. <laughs> 
Number five, it's what cause or issue, issue touches your heart every time you hear about it. Uh, everything to do with children. Uh, anything that I feel like children are suffering and not getting the best opportunity. And also animals. Like, it doesn't take much to uh, make me cry for an animal. <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> I'm the same. Number six, it's what excites you in the world? What excites me in the world? I guess the, um, the, the opportunities that are awaiting us. Oh. Um, that uh, you, you, I mean, there are bad things happening in the world, but there are so many opportunities. If only we could hold on to them. Mm. And number seven, it's what angers you in the world? war oh i love it number eight it's when you were a kid what did you say you wanted to be when you grew up uh, i wanted to be a doctor oh <laughs> i mean i wanted to be a medical doctor but uh, I mean, i'm sort of there <laughs> you have the doctorate degree yeah <laughs> that's great Number nine, it's what did you do for fun as a kid? So what, what were your favorite toys? Oh, toys. Oh, I can't remember. Uh, that was, I mean, I like playing with dolls, but not that much. I like puzzles. Um, yeah, I, I mean, going out on the bike, all sorts of different things. Okay. <laughs> Number 10 is what came par particularly easy for you as a child? Mathematics, <laughs> yeah, mathematics, anything to do with, we, we used to have this thing called intelligence tests, they'd never call it that now, but it was like logic tests, and I always scored really high on logic tests. Number 11, so when you were in high school, what did you consider your dream job to be? Well, I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to work in uh, pediatric medicine. That was what I had wanted to do when I was at school. Hmm. Okay. Number 12, what are your values? So yesterday we talked about it. So if you don't know the words, <laughs> you can go back on the group. And I uh, uh, posted yesterday the list of value and the exercise. So if you need some help for the number 12, Don't worry, you have all the list on the group Limiana de Diama. <laughs> so for you, Melanie, what uh, do you say? So, and what are your values? So, uh, integrity, um, and uh, I mean, lots of different ones. Perseverance, um, uh, intelligence. Mm. Like I, I think lots of things like like that is what drives me. Perfect. Number 13. So what are your strengths? I'm intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. very, I'm extremely perseverant. I would say I'm annoyingly perseverant. You can't knock me down. So I'm never going to quit. Um, and I, I think I have an ability to see the big picture. A lot of mm. people get very focused on the, the little picture and so they lose their way. So I would say that's one of my strengths, looking at the big picture. 
Mm. Number 14, it's when people say, oh, you're so good at, how do they complete the sentence? Recruiting. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, well, what would they say? Uh, I guess just uh, being being available, uh, giving time, um, talking in front of people. Yes, I would say that probably. Perfect. Number 15 is think of times when someone has been genuinely helped by something you've done. What did you do? I think probably I have brought people to uh, Tupperware and to find a career that they didn't know they had in them. And uh, I see that in some of my directors now, that maybe had they not met me, they wouldn't necessarily have, have come across Tupperware. So I think, you know, bringing people to where you know they can go and they haven't realized it yet themselves. Hmm. And number 16 is what are two talents you have? I can sing and uh, I, I write poetry. Oh, yes. <laughs> and number 17, the last one, write uh, down or uh, what are other... Uh, let me go back. Okay, number 17. <laughs> what others say your strengths are? Uh, perseverance. Um, uh, I have a strong giving personality. Mm. Um, I would think probably those things people would say about me. I really love it. Thank you, Melanie, to play with me. So I will drop the, the questionnaire on the Limiliana uh, group, inspirational group, so you can all have the question. So I know that just with those answers that Melanie gave us, I can say that her why is related to children and to give to society and help with the um the health of people. So I think there's those three <laughs> points in your why, Melanie. It's really something. So of course, when you will answer for yourself, you can say, okay, I can see that I repeat that point and that point, and you can really see your why easily with those questions. So I really love that uh, um, that exercise. So I, I hope that you will take the time to do it maybe today or maybe this weekend. So take the time to do this exercise. So I really loved it. So just remember that every company, every organization has the ability to inspire, but it starts with a person or a small group who were inspired to do something bigger than themselves. So gaining clarity of your why, it's not the hard part. It's the discipline that you will bring to this belief. So remaining completely in balance and authentic is the most difficult part. So there's a few that are able to build that megaphone and not just a company around their cause are the ones that earn, who earn the ability to inspire. So make sure that, yes, it's not just a company that you build, but there's a cause and your why is clear with that. So... I hope it, it clarified for you how to find your why this morning. And tomorrow morning, Melanie, we will close this book. 
Wow. Already. <laughs> so already we will close this book. So have a great day, everyone. And we will see you tomorrow morning. Bye. Bye, everyone.